Welcome to the Inspirations News Podcast, sponsored by Quebec's only newspaper devoted exclusively to the news of the special needs community. Tune in regularly to hear uplifting success stories, learn about resources, and gain timely advice in the area of special needs, featuring experts in various fields. Here's your host, your host, Mark Bergman. Welcome to the Inspirations News Podcast, and time to chat with a special girl and her mother about a documentary that they starred in called Becoming Big, a journey to Maya's bat mitzvah. And they're both joining us now on the podcast. Janet, tell me a little bit about the community's response to this documentary. It, it's unbelievable. Uh, the reaction has been far. I didn't really know what to expect, and it's been really quite incredible. Um, so positive people really moved it's really touched a lot of people and um it was a very special project to be part of so i'm really glad that it's receiving all the attention all the positive attention that that it is how did it come to be tell me how it sort of started out and uh how it turned into this amazing documentary so basically we were planning um maya's bat mitzvah and um the rabbi uh, approached me and asked if uh, if we'd be interested in doing something a little bit special. Um, and he approached me with this idea of filming uh, Maya's progress throughout the preparing the preparation for her bat mitzvah. Uh, he was very intrigued by Maya's story and very moved by it. And they really had a very special connection from, from the first moment that they met. And uh, my answer was obviously a, a resounding yes. Uh, any opportunity to take part in a special project with Rabbi Fishman was a very easy answer, yes. And it, he organized everything. He took care of, every, of everything. And it was very, very special. And uh, I think he was probably just as moved by it uh, as as we were. <laughs> Maya, we don't have Rabbi Fishman with us, but can you tell our listeners a bit about uh, Rabbi Fishman and what you like about him so much? Um, he's really, really nice and patient, and he's really good at teaching me about um, Jewish history and stuff. And um, like, he was really nice to me and accepted. You guys had a meeting to talk about your bat mitzvah speech, Maya. Tell me a little bit about Rabbi, uh, what Rabbi Fishman and you guys discussed about your speech. We, every week he would teach me about, like, one of the forefathers, and then I would get homework, like, about what we learned that day. And it was really fun learning with him. And um, basically, all my answers to the questions was turned into my buttons speech. And the main theme of the but uh, the but mitzvah speech were the forefathers. And tell us why sort of you identified and why you brought up the because, forefathers for speech. Because they all have some sort of physical challenge. Like Yitzhak was blind, Abraham was old, Yaakov walked with the land, and Moshe has speech impediment. When I when I first met with the rabbi, it was very important to me um, that the the <laughs> the topic of her bat mitzvah was something that she'd be able to relate to. Cause I always find the more a kid can relate to the topic, the better they do with it, the more they enjoy learning. And uh, given Maya's uh, all the challenges that she's overcome, um, the rabbi suggested 
this, that we talk about these great leaders in, uh, in, in Jewish history within the context that even these wonderful leaders who are really the, the background of Jewish history, they all had some type of disability and yet they rose to the occasion and they're not remembered for their disability or their challenge. They're remembered for everything that they accomplished. So for me, when he sort of told me that idea, I was like, yeah, no problem, sold, that's what we're doing. And Maya really, it, it worked out as well as I could have imagined it, that it could. Um, Maya really connected with the topic and she did a beautiful, beautiful presentation. Yeah, it was incredible. We saw clips of that in the uh, in the documentary. She rose to the occasion as well. Tell us, Maya, tell us about that speech. And were you nervous up there in front of everybody? I was nervous at first, but then I like got used to it, kind of. Okay. I also have like practice from all like my dance competitions and shows. She's used to performing. <laughs> she is, and I want to talk about dance in a couple of seconds, but. Uh, Jenna, what was, I mean, your reaction when she was up there and, and, and she was just, I mean, she, the first time um, that I gave her the draft of her speech, cause I helped her sort of take her answers and, and create it into, into a speech. Uh, I was like, okay, read it. And, and, and that first read through, this was probably in about July or so. Uh, I was like, oh my God, we have four months till till the big day. And already if she read it like this for the first time, I think she'll be great. My my concern was that she does suffer from selective mutism. So I wasn't sure how it was gonna play out the day of, but you know, I, she practiced, she read it and she was incredible. And I just sat there in the audience that day, just completely mesmerized, moved, overflowing with with pride um, for her and the reaction from the guests was I guess again more than I could have expected people were were crying they came over to me after saying that wow that was just she spoke so eloquently and she her message was so strong and so clear and honestly even two to three weeks after the bat mitzvah was over I was still getting phone calls from people saying sure. Wow, like we're still, that was just, you had to be in that room. There was magic in that, in that synagogue that night when she made her speech. It was, it was incredible. Now, Maya, very, very you're special. used to performing because you're a dancer, right? Yeah. So tell us what kind of dance you do. Uh, I do, oh my God, what's it like I do jazz, I do jazz, ballet, yeah. lyrical. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and and what do you feel when you're on stage dancing and when everyone's looking at you? Um well when I first get on the stage, it's like so bright and there's like so many people just staring at the stage. And I'm like, okay. And then I start dancing, I'm just like, okay. And so Jenna, you you basically had the competitions create a category for Maya, right? So basically, um, my older daughter, Erin, um, has been dancing since she's three years old and was competing as of the time she was eight years old. She's an incredible, incredible dancer. And um, one of the competitions we were at, Maya, Maya was with us, of course. It was like a family thing. And um, she saw a bunch of 
kids on stage who were about her age. And she said, well, how come I can't do this? And obviously I knew the demand, the physical demands of uh, what it takes to be a competitive dancer. And this was not something that Maya would have been able, unfortunately, to, to maintain. So I was inspired and I emailed one of the directors of one of the competitions. It was the Shine Dance Competition. And I said, you know, have you ever considered creating a category for kids with um, physical or developmental challenges who want to dance but can't take part in their, in their dance school's regular competitive program because of the demands or whatever? And I remember this was on a competition weekend, so I really wasn't expecting to hear back. And I heard back from them the next morning saying, yes, this is incredible. And um, we basically, from that moment on, launched a, a new category called the Shining Star category. And Maya was the first to take part in it uh, the following year. And I know we were derailed by COVID, but that before that, we had three seasons of that Shining Star category. Maya performed twice with that, with Erin. And then on the third year, she did, uh, she did a solo. And the category had grown from one kid that first year to having about 30 entrants a season, just all because of Maya inspiring my idea. And uh, it's been wonderful. That's amazing. So that's just one hurdle, one of many hurdles that's that that you've uh, overcome. Can you talk to us about some some of the others, perhaps, and what it's like for a a, a parent of a child with different abilities? It is. It's uh, <laughs> it's hard. It it's hard, but it's our normal. It's it's my normal with her. Um, given, I mean, Maya's very intelligent, very very bright and very sweet and kind, but physically she's much smaller than the other kids. And I'm not talking, she's just the shortest in her class. I mean, she's in grade seven now and probably the size of a kid that's in grade three or so. So there's like a very, very big size difference. And a lot of times kids make fun of her. Um, they, they call her a baby. She doesn't feel like she quite fits in. So these have been big challenges for us to overcome as well. Uh, she has serious issues with her vision. Um, she misses a lot of school for surgery, for doctor appointments. She's, she's missed a lot of stuff. She hasn't had what I would say uh, would be like a typical childhood. It's and what, been what's your advice different. for perhaps for, you know, for parents who are many parents who are going through the same thing? How, how, how do you do what you can? I, I try to really never say no. I adapt. Uh, I find a way to make it work. If she says, Oh, I want to do this. Then we find a way to make it work. I remember when she first started dancing and she wanted to do tap dancing and there were no shoes to fit her. <laughs> I got her shoes custom made. <laughs> I figured it out. Um, when she first started school and pencils and markers were too big for her, I found the smallest ones possibly uh, imaginable. Her her pen, her lead pencils for school were golf pencils because those were the ones who were that were easier wow. for her to uh, do. So we adapt, and though she has to fit into the world's not always going to adapt to her. She has to adapt to the world, and that's what we've tried to do uh, in our old house we don't live there anymore but 
We modified an entire bathroom. We got a grant um, from President's Choice Charity. We modified a whole bathroom for her nice. with uh, lights that turn on automatically, built-in step stools, a bathtub that was lower than standard. We adapt. That's what we do. Maya, tell me about your books. One is called Operation I Am. The other one is called Shining Star. Okay. And tell me a little bit about, tell me about Shining Star, what, it, what it's about. Shining Star. And about how my mom created like the category for kids with physical challenges. Like it's how I got like um, upset that I like couldn't compete. And then my mom made the. <coughs> then my mom made the um, the category. Basically, okay. the story I just shared before. <laughs> okay. And and the second book, what's it called? And tell me a little bit about what it's about. It's called Operation I, and um, and it's about the fears that I had for my first eye surgery, and that I overcame my fears. That was actually the first of the two books that she wrote was Operation I. Okay. How would you, um, maybe I'm putting you on the spot, Maya, but if there's other kids listening that are different than the other kids in their class, what, what would you say to them to make them feel better? Just ignore them. Try to ignore them. Okay. Try to ignore them. Tell them it's hard. But it's hard, like, to ignore them because they, like, get to you. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear that's that's that Rabbi Fishman is leaving Montreal. I'm devastated. <laughs> I would I would imagine so. He's uh he's very very special. He's incredible. What he's done uh, for my for the family with Maya, just I find the whole community in general. He's just he's he's done so much. He's he's incredible, and it, it's so hard to imagine him not being here he was such an integral part he is such an integral part of of our lives and of the community and I think whoever's going to replace him has very 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 big shoes to fill he's he, he's be, doing a great job in, in making our community helping to make our community more inclusive very much so um inclusive and just I just find like he's made He's done a lot for the synagogue in terms of getting our generation back involved. I think a lot of people were, including myself, had sort of, it was like my parents' thing. It wasn't my thing, but he sort of has made it younger again. Mm. Um, and he's just, he's just a very warm, open, welcoming person. So it just, he, there's very, very, very big shoes that are going to have to get sure. filled. What are some of the things that you know, our society needs to do today to become more inclusive because we're definitely not there yet. We've made, we've made less judgy, being less judgmental. Oh my How God. So? You never know what someone is, is going through, uh, behind closed doors. You don't know what someone's struggle is. Uh, when Maya shows up to school, sometimes the other day I got called the eight-year-old at school. She got called the eight-year-old at school, mm. but I'm just saying some days you don't even know the amount of effort that it took to physically and emotionally get Maya, for example, prepared to go to school that day because she's scared of who's gonna say what and my eyes look weird and this looks weird and 
I don't fit in and that, and don't judge. People have to really stop being less judgmental and just have more, more compassion for, for kids, for the parents, for, for everyone involved, really. It's, uh, it, it, it's, it's hard. I mean, everyone is struggling and even people without disabilities, everyone is struggling in some ways. And I think people just really need to be, be kind, be compassionate, be grateful for what you have. Uh, because you know what, we don't have everything, but in some ways we have more than other people do. I mean, if anything, my whole journey, my whole parenting journey so far with Maya has uh, just accentuated how many good people there are in this world. We've been blessed and helped by very many people. We've been hurt by a lot of people too, but we're not going to focus on them mm. right now. Yeah. Let's focus on the positive. Let's focus on the positive, but we have so many angels in our corner guiding us. And um, it's a very beautiful feeling when you think about it. That's and a great message. Also how much Maya has, how much Maya has impacted people. It's, uh, yeah, tell me, tell me about the impact of, of, of Maya, the positive impact of Maya on people. It's been incredible because the community has rallied around you and you, and basically it's a, it's a relationship between Maya and the community. Both it, it really is. It really is. It's, it's incredible. I, even people who, I mean, I've heard from people who I hadn't heard from in, in ages, they were like, Oh my God, we're like watching your daughter's thing. It's incredible. Um, even people who I don't necessarily get like a message or a text or a phone call from, I bumped into someone the other day and they were like, you know, your daughter has such a spirit about her. It's unreal. And I was like, didn't even realize this person was even following our story or, or anything like that. It's again, it, it's almost, I'm, I'm always amazed and in awe that people are so fascinated by our story, which is really just our, our everyday life. But Hey, if we could help or inspire or do, anything, then I'm more than willing and more than happy to help do so. If I can spread any message of positivity, if I could be of any support to any other parent or family, uh, it's, it's my pleasure. It's my privilege. It's my honor. Guys, thank you both for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to the Inspiration News Podcast with Mark Bergman. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and the English Montreal School Board Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.